Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Uh, being a part of our church as we continue a message series entitled Leader of One. And what we've been talking about is what, it, what does it mean to truly be a leader? And does God have specific principles that he can give us so that way we can lead not only our families, not only within our friendships, but also within our workplaces? And in other words, does God expect us to have um, specific principles in our lives so that we can lead? And we said this at the beginning, that some of us in this room, we say, well, Terry, I'm not a leader. I'm, you know, I'm a much better follower. I'm not out front. And I, and I would say that if you're a follower of Jesus watching online on the floor or in the balcony, you are expected to lead. Because you have the Holy Spirit, which means you have the creator of the universe inside of you, which means you have the power to do amazing things no matter what skill set or gifting God's given you because God expects all of us to lead within this world, this dark world at times that we live in. And in order to kick this off, we talked specifically about what it means to, to stand in the face of confrontation. And we, we talked and we kicked it off with no one likes or loves confrontation, but that at times we are going to have to know how to handle confrontation. At times we're going to have to understand, and last week we, we unpacked that word that many of us are triggered by, but we, we defined it, and we're going to have to learn what it means to tolerate, not obliterate, Right? We have to learn what it means to agree to disagree without demonizing another individual. And God, if we could just have this in our world right now, we could have conversations and we can bring insight and we can enlighten as opposed to tear down and destroy in which many of us are doing in this world today. And in order to do so, I thought to myself, well, Terry, if I was to go on an interview and God was sitting across a desk from me and God specifically was looking for a Christian leader, What are the qualifications that I would need to possess in order to win the job? You ever been on an interview before? How many of you remember your first interview? Remember how sweaty you were, how nervous you were? Am I wearing the right, like, am I wear, should I wear a tie? Should I not wear a tie? Should I wear this kind of suit? I'm not sure. Is it casual? Is it not? I don't know. What are they looking for? And you walk in the door and you, you firm handshake, light handshake. I'm not sure. Okay, should I sit down before they sit down? I'm not sure. Okay, what's the first question? Why did he ask me that question? I mean, what is he looking behind that question? You can see all the craziness that ensues when you're on an interview because you just don't know what happens. Well, today we're going to go on a job interview. Today we're going to learn the qualifications needed to have a successful interview with God with regards to leadership. Now, with that being said, I want to give you, I'm, I'm going to give you behind the scenes. This is a true story. I'm not kidding you. Um, if, if you've ever led an organization or been a part or have had to hire individuals, you know it's rough, right? I mean, it, it, is, it is true. If you look at statistics today, um, if you have the, the best idea of, of interview process to secure a candidate and make sure that you're hiring a winner every single time, I'd love to know. I really would. Because the statistics, it's, it's 50-50. It's a coin flick at times. I'm just saying. And, and I will tell you, if you were to ask me, Terry, when you interview someone at the church, you know, whether it's for, for preschool, whether it's for the church position or whatever, do you have a, a go-to with regards to uh, an interview process? Do you have questions that you would go to? And I would say, well, I have a list of questions I go to, but my favorite, favorite component of an interview process has nothing to do with a question or words. True story, if you were to come with me sometimes, what I might do is if I'm looking for a very detailed individual and I want to make sure that they have great self-awareness. I'll learn that before you ever walk into my office. 
because strategically I'm setting you up. If you were to come into the office and you have to walk through the threshold door to get into my office for the interview, before you walk in, I'm going to take a piece of paper, not this big, but just so you can see it, I made it this big, but it can't be too small where you can't see it, but it can't be too large where it's so obvious, but I'm going to take a medium-sized piece of paper, I'm going to crumple it up, and I'm going to put it in the door frame of the door. I'm not going to make sure it's right up against the door frame, I'm going to make sure it's at least a couple inches out, so that way it's noticeable. And what I want to be able to see is, is I'm going to walk over it, and I want to see, if you're following me, you're going to see it, and you're going to make a split decision in that moment. I'm going to walk past this very obvious piece of paper, and I'm not going to pick it up, or I'm going to actually pause in the moment. I'm going to pick it up, which tells me that you take initiative. The other thing it tells me is, is that you're okay with breaking out and having self-awareness. Even if it breaks the flow of the moment, if you see something out of place, you're going to call it out. And I want to see if you say something to me to say, oh, I'm very sorry, there was a piece of paper on your floor. Because if you're willing to tell me that in the midst of meeting me for the first time in an interview process, it tells me that you got a little gumption in you. You're willing to be able to break the flow and you're really able to call out details. Now, some of you are scared to death of ever going in an interview with me. I know. But it just goes to show that we want to make sure, for those of us that are hiring, we want to make sure that the candidate before us embodies the qualities necessary for the position. And so today, I want us all to go through that interview process. We're going to learn the qualities of what it means to be a Christian leader in our society. If you're not a Christian in this room, I'm excited that you're here. You can learn what makes us tick, but most importantly, what God wants in and through us. So in order to learn that today, we're going to go to a guy in the Bible who, had a, who was a man after God's own heart. He had great success. He had great failures. But if you were wanting to learn what made David tick, what was his secret sauce, we're going to go to his last words. Did you know that the Bible actually recorded his last words? And in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 1, we're going to learn the last words of David, and he gives us insight of what it means to be a Christian leader. Let's take a look. David, this, these are the word, last words of David, the inspired utterance of David, son of Jesse, the utterance of the man exalted by the Most High, the man anointed by God of Jacob, the hero of Israel's songs. And this is what he said. The Spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. The God of Israel spoke. The rock of Israel said to me, when one rules over the people in righteousness, when he rules in the fear of God, he is like the light of morning at sunrise on a cloudless morning, like the brightness after rain that brings grass from the earth. If my house were not right with God, Surely he would not have made with me an everlasting covenant arranged and secured in every part. Surely he would not bring to fruition my salvation and grant me my every desire. Now I sit here and look at David. It's as David's talking to you and I and saying, hey, you want to know the secret of this? Is that the word of the Lord was on my tongue. The word of the Lord was on my tongue. And it broke through like brightness on a cloudless day. And then he said this, look, if it wasn't true, do you think God would have blessed me the way that he did? If it were not true, would I have had the kind of success that God granted me in that day? And I would have thought, well, David, you got a pretty good point there. And so what did David do? Let's begin to break it down. And in order to do so, I want to give you a couple of quotes. Because isn't it true that when we say leadership, it's so general, it's hard to grasp. 
And this is a quote by Warren. Take a look at this. Warren Bennis said this, leadership still remains the most studied and least understood topic in all the social sciences. If you were to ask me today, Terry, what's your favorite leadership book? I could give you hundreds of leadership books, all of them different ideas and principles because it's so difficult. Here's another one. Like beauty or love, we know it when we see it, but we can't easily define it or produce it on demand, said Charles Handy with regards to leadership. So in order to understand it, let's go to the beginning, all right? Here's what we do. Type A's. Ready in the room? Here's where we're going today. We're going to give you the foundation of leadership. We're going to give the basis of leadership. And then after that, we're going to give you three qualities that you need to embody in order to be the leader that God calls you to be. You ready? So here we go. In order to know the qualities of a leader, one must understand the foundations of leadership which is found from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And here's what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 20, verse 26. He once said this about what it means to lead. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great, and I kind of define it as if you want to be a leader among your peers, if you want to be great, then you, if, and whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, many of us, we know this, Terry, get to the good stuff. We already read that scripture many times. We know Jesus was a sacrificial servant. I got it. I mean, let's go. Move on. But how many of us really understood the context of when Jesus said you're to be a servant? So if you consider, if you're a dad, a mom, if you are a sister or brother, if you are a leader in an organization, if you say, Terry, I, I try to serve, I try to serve others, I try to be a good leader, do you really understand what that word servant meant that Jesus meant it to be? Because it doesn't mean just doing something for someone. Let me define with you the word servant. The word servant comes from the root word hooperdes. And hooperdes means under rower. Well, Terry, what is under rower? Under rower is in the picture and context of a person that was a slave in the galleys of a ship. And when they were in the Roman ships, remember those Roman ships with the long oars and they're underneath? Anybody see Ben-Hur? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, for those of you that are, you know, younger than the age of 30, Ben-Hur, really great movie, incredible story of Roman history and everything else. I digress. Anyway. So you have galleys, the lower deck of the ship, and a servant was chained at times, which meant that they served at the pleasure of the captain and the soldiers on the ship. The first individuals to go down wasn't necessarily the captain. It were those that were serving the ship. They were chained. In other words, you go down, you're going down with the ship. And so when you begin to see what Jesus meant by you want to be a leader, you want to be great, then you need to embody the spirit of an under rower. You need to basically give everything of who you are for the mission. And when I think of someone that embodied that through history, I can think of Mary, Jesus' mom. Well, Terry, what do you mean? Because I can remember when Mary was confronted by the angel Gabriel, and the angel said to her that you are going to be pregnant with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's come upon you. In that moment, and we've talked about this as a church before, in that moment, what Mary would have thought about is, <laughs> I'm not married. And I'm not married, which means by law, if I'm pregnant, that means that they're going to drag me in front of my parents' house. They're going to stone me to death. And Mary would have thought that, would have owned that. And in the moment when the angel told her this, this was Mary's response from Luke 1.38. She said this, I am the Lord's what? Under rower. 
I'm the Lord's underrower. May your word spoken to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. If you want to be great as a parent, if you want to be great as a grandparent, you need to learn to be an underrower. How many of us wake up in the morning, God, how can I sacrifice and how can I serve my family? How many of us do that? Now we begin to see right now, because isn't it true, this is not in my notes, but I'm going to come over here and I'm going to tell you this. Isn't it true that a lot of us, we, if we think that we're in leadership or we think we're a parent and we think we're doing a good job, isn't it true that sometimes we think we're doing a good job and we think that we're hum- humble and then we hear a message like this where the word servant actually means to be an under rower and then we compare what we think is being a servant and serving my family compared to an under rower and go, I'm not even close. And that's what I said this week. I said, God, I used to think that I was a decent leader of my family, but man, when I look at this, I'm not even close. I got so much more to go. And so God, help me to learn the qualities of a leader, and that's what we're doing today. So here are the three qualities we, need, we must practice in order to truly be an under rower. You ready? Number one, the job description of a true leadership requires this. Number one is your faith is evident through doubt. It means that as a leader, as a parent, as a grandparent, it means that if you're a follower of Jesus, that means in the midst of your ongoings, that your faith is evident even through doubt. Well, Terry, what does that mean? Well, let's understand it together. Because David said this, and I've already read it, 2 Samuel 23. He said this, the spirit of the Lord spoke through me. His word was on my tongue. David stood up and said, do you want to know my last words? Don't miss this. If you fell asleep, wake up, because this is the good stuff. You can go to sleep. David had an opportunity to share his last words and the last words on this earth with everybody. When they're they're looking at him and saying, David, you're amazing. David, you were king. David, you're a man after God's heart. Give us wisdom, David. What is it all about? And David, the first thing he says to everybody is, you want to know the truth? It wasn't about David. You want to know the truth? You want to know how I was so successful? Holy Spirit. God speaking through me. God spoke through me. It wasn't David. It wasn't me. It was God. And here's the truth. Strong leadership does not require knowing all the answers. There's our downfall. The enemy wants those of us that are leaders of families and leaders of friends. Well, they're coming to me. I have to lead, which means I have to know the right answer. And David, man after God's own heart, says, you want to know the truth? It wasn't me. How many dads in this room feel comfortable saying, you know, that's a really good question. I really don't know the answer right now. We need to pray. We don't feel like we can do that as a leader, right? We feel like we have to have the answer. We feel like we have to bring security. We, no, 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 I, I, I want to make sure that I fix this. I want to make sure that my wife, you know, has confidence in me. And so I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to make the best decision that I think I can. That's our problem. I'm going to make the best decision that I think it is. When David looks and says, Terry, it's not the decision that you think is great. It's the decision that God thinks is great. Martin Luther, one of the great fathers of faith, once said this about being a leader. God carves the rotten wood and rides the lame horse. How many of you have got up and said, God, I want to be a leader that is like a lame horse? God, may I be rotten wood today. 
Now we're starting to understand it, right? Some of you in this room that love sports, you're like Martin Luther. I mean, I don't know, that's a guy from history. I don't know. All right, fine. I might be the first pastor to follow up Martin Luther with John Madden. But John Madden once talked about leadership, and here's what John Madden said. Don't worry about the horse being blind. Just load up the wagon. Isn't that true? If you're a strong leader, you don't have to have all the answers. Instead, you know, my prayer this week when I was at the table, God, forgive me at times when I don't wake up and say, God, today, less of me, more of you. God, today, I think I know what this answer is, and I think I'm right, but I may be wrong. And so, God, today, I'm going to offer my heart, don't miss this, in this conversation with my spouse, in this conversation with my team, in this conversation with my son, God, I think I'm right. But I want to have enough humility to allow you to speak. Because what you say might be different than what I would say. And when we start tapping into that, we start to understand and embody what it means to be a leader. Here's the second principle. You ready? Second principle. Not only do we need to have faith through doubt, not have all the answers, but trust him for it. But we also need to understand job description of true leadership. Number two is this, that love is always evident. This is a tough one. And this is where I pull my seat up. There's too many of us in this room as a leader that think it's either or all the time. Strong leaders make strong decisions. Strong leaders are clear and crystal clear, which is true. But what Jesus was basically telling all of us is, is when you humble yourself and when you don't have all the answers and you allow God, the Holy Spirit, to speak in and through you, it means that the love that Jesus has for humanity is also apparent in your leadership. Well, Terry, what do you mean? Let me, let me give you this. 1 John 4.18 says this, there is no fear, and you can see it on the screen, there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made in perfect love. Well, Terry, what, what, are, we, what are we meaning here? What are we talking about? Let me give you an illustration. I, this week, I had a great conversation with someone who does not know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And by the way, if you're a Christian in this room, if you don't have any, any friends that are not Christians, you need to get out more. I'm going to say it again. If you're a Christian in this room and you don't have any friends that are not Christians, you need to get out more. You can learn a whole lot from someone who doesn't know Jesus. And here's the point. I was sitting there and I was, saw the individual coming. And I, I will tell you that this individual, I, I've, I've been around them from time to time. This individual knows that I'm a pastor, and so at times this individual will do and say certain things just to make me uncomfortable. And I know this because in this individual's life, I know there has to be a past pain or hurt with regards to the church. And so it's almost like this individual wants me to know that he knows I'm here and he doesn't care. That he's going to talk and say things knowing that it's going to make me uncomfortable. And I'm going to be honest with you as a pastor online in the balcony, that this past week when this individual came and said a few things, here's what happened inside of Terry. What happened was Terry said, oh boy, oh, 
I think he's doing it on purpose. You know what? I just, I really don't want to deal with this. I really, I mean, it's just, I just want to move. I just want to move and I just want to go over here. And the reason why is this. You might say, well, Terry, that's mean. But I'm just going to be honest and transparent with you. What's happening inside of my heart is this. There is sinful talk and behavior. The things that this individual was talking about is not something that if you're a follower of Jesus, you want to partake in or be a part of. And what happens is, is that when sin is present, the righteousness of God, the fear of God comes in and wells up inside and says, there is sin, run. There's parts of scripture that talk specifically about what it means to run from sin. And so inside of me, I just want to run from it. I don't want to be near it. I mean, it's just this tiring. It's just like, no. And so inside of me, I want to run. And in that moment, I was just like, I just want to run. I don't want to be near. But then I took David's advice because of this message. And I said, all right, Holy Spirit, God, right now, you know I'm sitting here and you know I want to run. But I also want to do what you want me to do. So Holy Spirit, speak. And I promise you, if you've never heard God before. I'm not talking audibly, but in your spirit. And if you're a Christian and you've never had that experience, you need to start asking for the Holy Spirit to speak. We sang about it today. Come, Holy Spirit, come. We need to ask the Holy Spirit to speak. Now, some of you, you're going to be like, was that the Holy Spirit or was that the enchilada? I'm not sure. That's okay. But we need to try, right? And so I'm sitting there and I'm saying, Holy Spirit speak. And here's what God said. And I know it's God because I'm not smart enough. He said, well, Terry, let's have a conversation. What, do you, what happens if you move? What happens if you walk away? Are you going to see this individual again? And I'm like, yep, all summer long. Okay. So are you going to avoid this individual every time that you go? What does that say about you? I called you to be a pastor. Is that fulfilling the mission that I've given you? No. All right. Well, then, but God, I, you know, I'm sitting here, and you hear what he's saying. I mean, he's antagonizing, okay? And then this is where Jesus just really ticked me off. I'm just saying. He said, Terry, did I die for that person? <sighs> yeah, you did. Okay. Hey, Terry, when you walk into your church, what's on the wall? The mission of the church. What's it say? I'm here to help people to follow Jesus. Yeah. So do you think you're going to help this, people, this person follow Jesus by walking away from him? No, but God, you heard what he said. Terry, that's not the question I asked you. Fine. So then I said, well, God, I don't think he likes me. I, I literally think that he just looks down on me. He might, Terry. But who do you have in you? I'm like, you Okay, so look for the moment. I said, okay, God, I won't force it. I'm just going to look for it. And I kid you not, and I'm just, I'm, I'm being as transparent as I can with you. All of a sudden, after about five minutes, he was talking to someone else, and he said something that I could relate with. And the Holy Spirit said, now. And so I engaged him in a conversation. Do you know we talked for 45 minutes Talked about a subject that he was familiar with and I was familiar with. And at the end, I, I, I packed up my stuff and I was about to walk away and he stopped me and here's what he said. He said, hey, I enjoyed our conversation. I said, I did too. 
He said, I'll, I'll see you next, next time. I said, I'll see you next time. And I walked away. And then Jesus said, see, I told you. And I go, fine. <laughs> Here's the point, though. As a Christian leader, when love is evident, we understand the difference between two things. Lean in here for a second. Great leaders know the difference between transactional leadership and transformational leadership. If I was transactional, it was either or. God, he's sinning. God, he's antagonistic. You don't like sin. Not worth my time. No love present. I'm going to move over here, and I would have felt good about it. But when love is the filter of your leadership, then you allow room for messiness. You allow room for tension. You want me to make it really difficult for some of you in this room today? When a family member and there's water under the bridge and you can't stand them, what does love require of you? But Terry, you know, they did this and this and this, and so I don't have to. You might be right, transactionally. But at the end of the day, do you want to be estranged from your family? Do you want broken walls? Or is God calling you through love to transformationally lead and to be okay at times with tension and with mess? You might not have all the answers. But remember what we said in point number one? We don't have to have all the answers, right? And that's what makes it hard. It's both and. So love is evident. And here's the third one. The job description of true leadership, number three, is this. Endurance. It's endurance. And I think the reason why we go back to either or I think the reason why we say, you know what, I'm just, no, it's just easier. You know, no, no. you know what, I tried, Terry. I took a step, and it blew up in my face. And so, look, I took my one more step, and that's it. You're right. You're right. That could be as husbands and wives. That could be as parents to kids. That could be as grandparents to grandkids. That could be as friends to one another. You are right. And I don't have the right answer for you, and I'm not telling you that the answer is always going to be X. I'm not saying that. But what I am saying is, is that a Christian leader is going to wake up in the morning and say, Holy Spirit, speak. And God, as I make this decision, I'm not going to make it transactionally. I'm going to listen to your heart. I'm going to look through love. I'm going to pray and allow you to give me the wisdom to know how to navigate these choppy waters. And maybe that's why Paul said it best. And maybe this is the scripture you need to memorize this week on the mirror in your bathroom this week. Because it's one of my favorite. Romans 12, 2 says this, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
what Paul said is, is we need to pray and ask God to renew our minds. And he says, it's almost as if he says, if you pause and you ask the Holy Spirit to speak and not you speak, and if you filter everything through love, then here's what happens. Your mind is renewed and you're seeing and living in the tension. And then if you want to know what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will, you will understand it then because you'll be living as a leader in the right fashion. When we're transactional and we are either or and we're like, you're dead to me, I'm over, we can't have our minds renewed because Jesus came to die not just for some, he came to die for all. Yes, even the person who is annoying to you. And so some of us need to pray for endurance. And so I would ask you today, of those qualities, which one do you have? Of those qualities, which one do you need God to speak into? When I was 18 years old, I'll never forget, um, I had a, a God experience at Taco Bell. And I'm not talking the kind of experience that is difficult. I was in the drive-thru at Taco Bell, and there was a, um, a gathering for our team. I was a baseball player, and if you know anything about team sports, it's important to be a part of the team and team functions. Otherwise, you isolate yourself, and it becomes miserable for you. And I had just become a Christian, and I was trying my best to learn what it meant to, to be a leader as a Christian. And I, I was being harassed. I was being made fun of because, you know, immaturity, young kids. But I changed in front of them, and they just didn't understand why I wouldn't do things, wouldn't participate, and they would just get on me. And I was miserable. And all of a sudden, there was a team party at the beach, and everybody needed to be there, and, and I was struggling. And I remember sitting in the drive-thru at Taco Bell, and do you remember the ad campaign, Yo Quiero Taco Bell? It was there, the little chalupa dog was on the front of the screen. And I'll never forget looking at this dog and just wanting to wring its neck at the time. If you're from PETA, that's just an illustration. I'm, I'm not being serious, but anyway. I remember sitting there and just talking to God and saying, God, I'm trying. I'm really trying to, to be what you've called me to be, but it's just easier to just give up. I mean, God, I, if I don't go to this party, then I, they're going to crucify me. But God, if I go to this party, I know I'm not strong enough not to partake in what they're doing. And so, God, I'm stuck, and I don't know the right decision to make. And I say this because I think some of us are in that place. God, it's messy. God, I don't know the right thing. God, I see this, and I see this, and there's no good answers. So, God, I just don't know, and we get frustrated with God. And so I was frustrated with God at Taco Bell, and I'm looking, and I'm just like, I don't know what to do. And I prayed. And God said to me very clearly, well, Terry, if I went to that party, what would I do? And I had this long conversation with God, and here's what God did. I went home. I went to the party to show them that I wanted relationship. And the minute that something happened or the minute that something was there that was a temptation that I knew that I cannot withstand this temptation, the, the line has gone as far as it can go, I 
politely looked at a bunch of individuals, said, you know what, I'm just going to head back. I, I'm just going to get a good night's sleep tonight. And, and I left. And here's the point. Before Taco Bell, the only answer was go or don't go. And the Holy Spirit spoke and said, don't sacrifice relationship, but also don't succumb to temptation. In other words, it's as if he said, Terry, for the rest of your life, you're going to be facing decisions like this, and they're going to get more difficult. But I want you every time to ask the Holy Spirit to speak. I want you to filter through love. I don't want it to be transactional. And I want to renew your mind every single day. Because if you can learn to live life by calling upon me and being open to looking at things a little bit differently, I promise you that you will be a light that will shine on a cloudless day. And you will truly be a Christian leader that others will want to follow. So I pray that if we all sat before God, we would endure, we would love, and we would also learn to lead even in the tension. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this message. And Lord, I know you're speaking to everybody about their own individual situations. And many of us in this room, we're struggling with a decision or we're struggling with a decision that we made. And God, it's easy to just transactionally call a line. But God, you call us to live in the tension. You call us to lead in the mess. And so God, we don't have to have all the answers, but God, you do call us to endure and to trust you. So Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, speak. And God, I pray that we would not dismiss you. So Father, today, we love you. I thank you that you are going to call us to decisions that are not easy, but ones that will call us out so we can be leaders among our peers. We love you and bless you. In your precious name we pray.